So welcome back to session three on health and wealth with Raina Harwood. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down at Bluey's Beach in northern New South Wales. We've been sunning ourselves on the beach. It's the Christmas break and now it's pouring with rain. So we thought, what better timing than to record this podcast? As I say, it's going to be on Wealth Health with Raina Harwood, and she's a mum of one. She's very active. She's a very social person who loves contributing to people. Um, She's actually a senior account manager for a financial planning practice. And all of this information and all of this area is completely out of my comfort zone because I am not this. She's got an advanced diploma in financial planning. She's a member of the Australian Institute of Training and Development, She has 40 years experience in wealth management, superannuation and insurance. And we're going to talk about this in two different parts. We're going to talk about salary sacrificing to start with. And then we're going to talk about good and bad debt and whether it's uh, we should be buying properties or whether we should be buying investment properties. I've got no idea because this is not my thing. So welcome, Rena, and thank you so much for being here today. Um, Thanks, Sally. It's great to be here. Um, I just want to find out what the hell is salary sacrifice because I've got this vision of lambs being slaughtered or cows with their throats cut. So why do they call it salary sacrifice? What's that? It sounds really terrible, doesn't it? It does. I know. But in reality, what it means is sacrificing some of your salary towards superannuation contributions or pensions as if you're british and you're listening you'll think a superannuation is a pension um same thing yeah absolutely and so the benefit of that is that by contributing into your super fund out of your pre-tax income so that's before the tax then it lowers your income tax threshold so let's assume that you were on an income of um, 80 or 90,000 and if you were getting in Australia nine and a half percent of contributions then let's assume you're going to be getting somewhere around eight and a half to nine thousand of contributions Mm -hmm. then we have an opportunity to be able to sacrifice the rest of that up to a twenty five thousand dollar cap yeah now by doing that your income, let's say we're talking about, let's use round numbers, let's say that your employer is contributing 10000 Yeah. You could potentially salary sacrifice up to $15,000 additionally, and that reduces your taxable income by $15,000. So what does your pay packet look like then? Well, you can run the numbers to see what the difference is, but what it's, what's happening for you, and it depends on what bracket you're in so if you're earning over $45,000 mm. this is a strategy that may be useful for you because you're paying 32.5% tax yeah on anything over the 45 and if you're a big income earner it's even higher than that but if you um, if you drop your tax by that $15,000 and there's calculators available, we'll talk about it at the end of the Ooh, conversation, Cool. you can work out where your break-even point is. And sometimes it's even that once you've contributed, you end up bringing home more because you've dropped down your taxable income so much. Oh, that sounds cool. So there's more money in your bank account if you do this so why do they not make it available like why do people not know about this at work 
Because oh. I only know about this because I've spoken to you because you're my mate. But Well, some people have financial planners. Some people read, you know, Paul Clitheroe's Money Magazine, um, Barefoot Investor, that type of thing. People just aren't aware because they don't actively take an interest in their super. Mm. You know, it's one of the biggest assets you can have apart from your house. And unfortunately, we don't always look at it as an opportunity right. to give us, you know, the future the retirement that we want. Um, so if I was 20 years old and I just started out in work um, and someone like you suggested I salary sacrifice, say I earn, I don't know, 48, 50 grand, like what would that look like when I'm 70? Uh, well, you look at compound interest like you do with everything else. Mm. And if, if a conservative growth rate was 6% and you look at how much does salaries double every 10 years mm. and you put in 10,000. So you've, you've doubled that by every 10 years. You've, if you've put in $10,000, wow. then, you know, you could potentially have another three or 400000 apart from what your employers put in cool. over time. That sounds amazing. Um, and, you know, so what the, reason, the other thing I was going to say about it is that if you're only paying a maximum, like you do pay tax when you put the money into the super fund, but mm-hmm. only at a maximum of 15% versus whatever your marginal tax rate is. So I wouldn't recommend it for anybody under $45,000 a year. Right. Um, and there'll be some years where it's not good for you for whatever reason. It's just not going to work for you. You need the money for something else. But you can, there's new carry forward rule, uh, which means that from Ju- July 2018, if you haven't done your full 25, and let's say you came into a lump sum mm. within that three-year period, Whatever the difference is. So say you only contributed 10000 one year and you contributed twenty five another year. Mm-hmm. And then the third year you only contributed fifteen. If you look at those differences, mm-hmm. so we're looking at a $25,000 difference, then you can contribute that in one lump sum at the, you know, because it, it looks at every year and what you've accumulated. So you can carry that forward now up to three years. Cool. And I know you mentioned it earlier, but just to let everyone be clear, are there limits to how much you can salary sacrifice? Well, the limit is up to 25000 Right. Including whatever your employer has put in. Okay, now, cool. if you're self-employed, um, you can put the full 25000 in yourself. If you get to the end of the financial year and you know you're getting a bonus... Um, you might choose to put that in as what we call a personal contribution and then claim it back as a tax deduction. But that's a that's a whole separate topic. Yeah. Um, and we, yeah. We can pick your brains another day. Do that on that, yeah. All right, so who do I go and see to ask for help? Who do, who do I approach for money, knowledge, so that I can become healthier with my wealth? Sure. Well, a lot of the superannuation funds on their websites have information about education and financial education and it will give you a lot of calculators including one um, to see how much you should be salary sacrificing and what that means to your take-home pay. So th- for this specific topic you can find that on a Sun Super, an AMP, a NAB, a Westpac, uh, anything awesome. like that. Um, so that would be your first point of call. Yep. Paul Cl- Clitheroe is actually the ambassador 
to the government for financial education. Mm. His Money Magazine is a brilliant source of information. What's it called? Money Magazine. Oh, it's called Money Magazine, is it? Um, <clears throat> and you'll find lots of articles around sorry sacrifice, credit cards, um, superannuation, investments, everything. What was his surname again? Paul? Clitheroe. Clitheroe. I'll write that in the edits afterwards. Thanks for that. That's brilliant. I've read Barefoot Investor. I think his books are amazing. I've read the first one. Um, I set up the bank accounts, but I haven't actually transferred any of the money that he suggested I did. Um, so I need to go and rethink that. I'm now 51. I don't own a property. So in 2021, what I want to do is start saving for my deposit for a house and really get myself back onto the property ladder yeah well just getting back to your question about where to find out more if you're wanting holistic advice yeah um to do with where you are in in life and where you want to go then it is worthwhile investing in a financial planner because a lot of our clients and and my particular company's been in business over 37 years yeah now come back to us and say they would not be having the retirement or the wealth that they have without that advice and keeping them on track over Amazing. time. Yeah. So, you know, for a young family, you need to look at protection, you need to look at loans. For older people, you need to look at, at accumulating as much as you can for retirement. So pay for the advice and get the benefits. And how much would you be paying for the advice? Like, you know, is it like 500 bucks? Is it 1500 bucks? Is it an, an amount that they save on whatever they say for you? Or? Look, every practice is different. It is getting um, more expensive to take advice because of the legislation and the amount of... Um, we have to create documents and do full analysis and comparisons all the time. Um, you could be looking at anywhere from um, 3500 to $5,000 right. on average. It just really depends on how complex your personal scenario is. Mm-hmm. But the savings could be huge compared to that. Absolutely. Look, if you could save $3,000 a year in tax mm-hmm. and you only, um, you know, and most of my people that I talk to save $8,000 a year yeah. in tax. If you're saving or growing more than what you're paying, then you're in front. That's amazing. Yeah. All right, another question. What is good debt versus bad debt? Okay, so most of, most of us would understand that a credit card is bad debt. Yeah. And some of them run up at around 20%. What about these 0%? Like, how do they, how do they make any money if they're 0%? Well, those cards are really good if you're trying to consolidate debt mm. and get rid of it quickly. Yeah. So I did it myself last uh, two years ago when I went to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I moved my money from one credit card onto a Citibank credit card with 0% if I paid it off in 18 months but the the trap with that is that you have to not put any more debt on it yeah than that transfer amount because anything that you accrue on top of that then comes in at the 19 odd percent okay got it percent yeah so if you keep it clear you just keep paying it off it's a great way to consolidate and get rid of debt Mm -hmm. um but if you put any more on it then it's going to come back to bite you Okay. And if you don't pay it off by the end of the time, then you're still hit for the 20%. Yeah. So what's good debt? Good debt is when you're getting tax deductions. Oh, lovely. Um, so some of you, everybody used to think in Australia, 
I've got to have a home, I've got to have a picket fence, I've mm. got to have a backyard. Yep. The world's changed and people are now telecommuting, they're now realising that life balance is important so they don't always want to be travelling an hour and a half or two hours each way to mm. work. So buying a family home is actually bad debt. Okay. Unless you use it to grow, uh, say pay off your mortgage really quickly, yeah. get some equity and then start doing investment properties. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for some people that may be the other way around. For some people it may be because in talking to you, Sally, mm. you know, you and I have had a huge conversation around you want to buy a property. Yeah. And you want to know whether it's a property you should live in or a property you should invest in And that's rent. my next question. Should I be buying a property to live in or should I be buying a property to invest? Or it doesn't have to be me, but in general, what should people do? Like, we've got no idea. Well, some well, of us haven't anyhow. Well, you know, like, it's all personal choice in the end. But if you, being the city person that you are, wanted to stay living around the city, then you would probably be looking at buying down south, in Queensland, in Melbourne, mm. so that what happens is that you can then, anything that you spend on that, your solicitor's fees, your research, your land rates, your water rates, whatever it is, is all tax-deductible debt. That's called good debt. Oh, Bad clever. debt is when it's just coming out of your taxable income and you're not getting anything for it. Okay. So a, a really great tip, especially for someone who doesn't want to be travelling two hours a day, is sometimes you rent where you want to live and right. you buy where you can afford. Sure. So, and then what you also can do if, if, you, if you're prepared to have a little bit of pain is that you go and live in that property for six months. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people don't know this. If you live in that property for six months as your personal home, then it's CGT free if you rent it out for six years. So then you go there, you live there for six months, Mm. all right, then you might move back to wherever you're renting in the city. Mm. You get rental income for that, but any improvements that you make on that property that you might want to go into in the future are all tax deductible. And And there are limits on that. What if you own a property in the city and then you also own an investment property in the country? Um, What happens there? Do you get hugely taxed or do you just offset all your... um... Well, you would structure it so that you're paying the minimum down like you on your... You can structure a loan with what we call umbrellas. And one would be for your personal home yeah. and the other one would be for your investment debt. So that you've got to keep it separate, separated so that you're getting your tax deductions on your investment property. Okay? Yeah. Um, so it's all about structure. And then the best way to do that is to be paying down your home loan that you're living in mm. and then paying interest only on the property that you're going to invest in. Right. Because you're all about growth and tax deductions on the investment property. So you only pay the interest only, and you can actually pay a year of interest in advance and claim it off your tax return. Mm. You can do improvements. You can't do full renovations. Anything that you do with that property becomes tax deduction. Right. And if you rent it up to six years, so anything up to six years, if you were to sell it um, 
within that six years, no capital gain. Yeah. You know how you pay capital gains tax? No, but yeah. So <laughs> if you if you sell a property within one year of um, owning it, yeah, it's a hundred percent gain if it grows. Okay. If you're in it, if you have it more than twelve months, it's fifty percent. But if you do this strategy of living in it for six months and renting for six years, then you potentially have no capital gain. Oh, great. That's great. Now, I hear, I heard earlier before we started this, you mentioned a holistic approach to managing people's finances or a full service on people's finances. And in Britain, I would call that an MOT. That's what we call our car service, full service. So what does that look like? What does that entail? Well, full service means that we do a full analysis on what your needs are. Because mm. some people only want one thing. They mm-hmm. might only want to deal with this super. Some might want to look at their whole scenario of their investments, their tax position, um, superannuation, insurances to cover them if something were to happen to them and they've got mm-hmm. loans. And uh, so so it's all about a needs-based assessment. Then, right. you, then you set a plan and we provide full service, which includes... All of the administration for you. We keep an eye on and getting the documentation for your tax returns. Mm-hmm. Um, any We look at the markets. We keep in t- contact with the fund managers to see if we need to move you in and out of particular investments mm-hmm. to make sure that you are on the path and continue to stay on the path you started. And should we always like really look at these income protection um additional costs or not i mean sometimes it occurs like they're just trying to make extra money out of you well it's it's a balancing act you know income protection especially while you're having a lot of debt Mm. is key because your income is actually worth more than your house right if you look at it over 40 years your income is definitely worth more and any income protection that you take out is tax deductible also Cool. But there is a point, as we age, premiums go up. Yeah. And there is a point where it's better to run the gambit than pay the premium. Mm. And depending on your personal circumstance and your debts, etc., there'll be a point where it's not worth doing it. Okay, cool. Um, one of my last questions now. What is risk management? Well, risk management is looking at if you have a, a young family, how much would you need to pay off your house if something happened to you? Mm-hmm. How much, what would happen, um, how long would it take you to lose your house if your income stopped? Yeah. Um, you know, if you got cancer, how? what would you have to do? What are the modifications you would need to have for your house for you to get the right medical um service and everything mm. that you need so what it, it risk management is about basically ensuring against the risk of loss of all of the wealth that you've built up okay cool so to conclude is there anything else that you want to add is there anything i've missed uh well financial planning and wealth management is a huge topic mm. so i would recommend that you you go and do your research you yeah. read the money magazine. I'm gonna. Um, by all means, Barefoot Investor is is a resource that's yeah. worth looking at, and get advice. Okay, 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving us an understanding on these areas. And I think I'm going to be dipping into your brain in the future, Raina. Um, but for now, we're going to chill out. We're going to enjoy a lunch this afternoon because we're on holiday together. And we're going to have a nice beer. So thank you. Until next time. See you later. Thank you. Bye.